I'm Adam Coleman, inviting you to the fifth season of The Cosmic Library from LitHub. This season, we go on our tiniest reading adventure yet, into short stories in the U.S. But this too turns out to be almost all-encompassing. I think short stories are essentially brief encounters with felt life. That's Oxford literary scholar Andrew Kahn, who gives us a deep history of the short story. And we hear from The New Yorker's Deborah Treisman, who explains her work as an editor of short fiction. You know, if you are melding with another person, you don't turn that person into you, but you get to know the ins and outs of that person. So, and it's, it's sort of like that. I always feel involved with the stories. We bounce around between the history and current life of short stories with the novelist Justin Taylor. The nice thing about it going out of fashion is that it really frees you up to relate to it in a different way. This being the Cosmic Library, we make sure to go way beyond U.S. short stories, too. Here's the Washington Post critic, Becca Rothfeld. A lot of Kafka short stories, I think, gesture at or describe um, sort of nightmarish geographies or architectures. And the actor Max Gordon Moore reminds us just how wild short stories can be. With a reading in its entirety of Wakefield, the intensely strange, classic Nathaniel Hawthorne story. He had contrived, or rather he had happened, to dissever himself from the world, to vanish. Get ready for all that and more in a season about short stories, small windows into vast universes. It's season five of The Cosmic Library, available soon wherever you go for podcasts. Welcome to the Maris Review. I'm so happy to be sitting here with Anna Merlin, author of Republic of Lies, American Conspiracy Theorists and Their Surprising Rise to Power. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, do you want to talk in broad terms about what you discovered when writing your book? Sure. Um, my book is about conspiracy theorists in America, and I discovered that they are here and that we are yes. all conspiracy theorists to some extent, mm -hmm. which is not a thesis that people like. Um, and I found that people want to argue with me about it a lot because nobody thinks of themselves as a conspiracy theorist because, of course, we all believe that our own views are very reasonable and everybody else's views are crazy. crazy. So <laughs> some of the book about, is yeah. about that and some of the book is about um, just the various uh, nasty things that the U.S. government has gotten up to over the years that have created a sense among a lot of people that anything is possible and that any number of things are being hidden from our view. Absolutely. And yeah. that there are just so many atrocities that you go into. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, there's a lot. <laughs> there's, I mean, MK Ultra alone. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things that are specific to the U.S. government in the 60s and 70s, um, either the CIA, the FBI, or just the Department of Defense that are so ridiculous that you sort of can't believe that they're real. Um, you know, one specific one that I talk about is a project that was called Operation Midnight Climax, yes. <laughs> which is essentially military testing of LSD by giving it to sex workers and having them unwittingly dose their clients just to kind of see what happened. Um, this happened in San Francisco. Like a lot of these tests did for whatever reason. Uh, the government just, you know, felt free That's where to. The, yeah. The drugs were. But it was such bad science. Like on top of everything else, it was sex workers would dose their clients and then the clients would just kind of leave. Like there was no follow-up so they could see what was so happening. They wouldn't even know if... Right. 
if they went if they went crazy long term or if something else happened to them or like there was literally no sort of just like all the atrocities of it from a human rights perspective aside, just the sort of... Uh, and, and the name of it, as you right. say in the book, like Operation Climax. You think anybody's having fun? Yeah, it's like... pretty weird. Uh, it's weird stuff. So yeah, the book is sort of about the various historical elements that contributed to the climate that we're in today, which is that everybody on sort of every side is using conspiracy theories um, in different ways. I mean, you're the the title of the last chapter of your book is called Conspiracism is for Everyone, mm-hmm. the Deep State and Russiagate. And when you put it like that, and when I read the book overall, I began to see how besieged we were and are mm-hmm. in all of these theories. And of course, I believe, and you know, anybody listening will know uh, what kind of politics we, we share, but... Right. Um, the Russians influenced the election. What do you think? <laughs> well, they did. I mean, yeah. they did try to influence the election, right? I mean, that's so there, there's a couple of things here. First of all, um, conspiracy theories are kind of an extension of normal politics. They're sure. sort of a heightened version of normal politics. And we are in a very heightened place so already. Heightened. <laughs> um, yeah. But also, like, the Russian government did try to influence the U.S. elections. But the thing that so many of us ran into on the left was the idea that, of course, Donald Trump not just knew about it to some degree, but was, you know, a Manchurian candidate was, you know, right, was a Russian government employee. And so, yeah, it was interesting to write that chapter because obviously I wrote it before the Mueller report came out. So I really had to be like, OK, what do we actually know and what are my own assumptions and conspiracy theories? And and then, of course, Mueller went on television and made a dramatic eight minute statement. And it's like I was imagining in terms of your book, it seems like that's the kind of speech that would drive someone crazy. Right. Because he kind of doesn't confirm nor deny but doesn't deny, deny. And he's never going to. Like, and he's that never going to. It. Yeah. Like narratively, that is all we get. We I mean, get a big anticlimax. Yeah. A lot of people <laughs> read it to be that he was encouraging Congress to consider yeah. impeachment. And maybe he was. But it's also like we are never going to have anything more sort of satisfying than that from an actual like uh as I say, narrative point of view. Absolutely. And so why wouldn't we all give it our own meanings and try to take from it what we want to see? And it's going to be really good for the people who have, you know, started making a living on Russiagate conspiracy theorizing because his lack of conclusiveness is allowing them to continue claiming what they've been claiming all along, which is that there are secret indictments or secret plots that are yet to come into view you know, that they know about, you know, people like Louise Mensch um, are still saying, you know, there's a lot more going on behind closed doors and you'll know about it soon. And, you know, the 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 Mueller team is coming for them all, which is was very like inviting for people. I mean, it really it came to resemble uh, a version of QAnon on the left more and more where there was this idea that your hero of choice was going to sweep out of his office and arrest all the evildoers and there was going to be this very satisfying climax and that's not going to happen that's not going to happen for anybody no. ever and 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 so the, the other part of the of uh, the last chapter in your book is called the deep state and then the epilogue hmm. um has QAnon because you were just starting to get into it right 
Um, and I imagine it's propelled and changed a lot since then even. Yeah, totally. Well, so the idea of the deep state broadly is this idea that a lot of Trump supporters have, which is that there are, you know, these elements within the government, these secret hidden covert elements that are working for working for his destruction and that so many things that Trump is not getting done can be attributed to the deep state. Right. Um and then QAnon started out as this idea that there was a high level Trump uh, operative, somebody in the Trump administration who was starting to drop clues, what were called crumbs, right? right about on this. Reddit, yes, on Reddit, as you would, as you would, or where, where else was, would you? I actually think it started on 4chan. Oh, even better, um, yeah, yeah, as you would. And so, but this idea that you know um, that this person calling themselves Q was intimating that at any moment there was going to be. Uh, you know, mass arrest of Trump's enemies and that the Mueller investigation was really an investigation into his enemies and that maybe Hillary Clinton was really going to be locked up. The interesting thing about QAnon is that it has grown to sort of be a conspiracy theory about everything. People are trying to make it into a sort of grand unified theory. There's this guy (laughs) who has something that I believe is called the Deep State Mapping Project, who's like a QAnon supporter who sort of has been making this ongoing crazy diagram of all the connections that he claims are at work. Oh, wow. So I can imagine it's just like a, a huge wall and he yeah, has like it's... a bunch of photos. And So the weird thing is that I just saw him at an anti-vaccine conference. Interesting. So these so, are related in some way. They're not really, but the anti-vaccine conference I just attended had yes. a QAnon panel. And so it's sort of this thing huh. that I keep seeing where these different right. kind of conspiracy communities that so they wouldn't call themselves that are kind of like fusing in weird ways that make me feel and sound insane when I talk about them. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been really, really interesting to watch that happen. It's something that the internet really does. It allows all these people to find each other. And and you talk a lot in the book about what role, if any, social media plays in the spread of conspiracy theories. Right. I think it's sort of inarguable that conspiracy theories play a role, which is something that um, not every, like, researcher who's smarter than me agrees with. But I just, I don't think that there is any denying just anecdotally how social media rewards the spread of conspiracy theories. And certainly you... You mentioned that, you know, women were being burned at the stake in Salem Mm -hmm. centuries ago. Um, So this conspiracy theories aren't new. Right. It's just that there are new tools. Yeah. I mean, I think that the thing that social media obviously does is it obviously flattens every source of information. Everything looks the same. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't count how many times I've seen a smart person sharing something that is fake on Facebook because... A link looks like a link looks like a link. It right. also allows more people exposure to conspiracy theories, and it allows them to spread more easily and in different ways. It makes celebrities of people who would have had a much harder time yes. becoming celebrities before. Yes. It also, at its core, like it rewards participation and engagement. This has been talked about so much, but the things that get shared a lot on places like Facebook and YouTube and Twitter are things that drive engagement, whether it's positive or negative. So making outrageous or inflammatory claims, or, yeah. or emotionally appealing claims of any kind works and we see sure. how well it works. And and not only does it work in in spreading the message, but so much of your book is talking about the hucksterism behind it and how so many people um, monetize these conspiracy theories. I'm thinking about 
most of all, Alex Jones. Yeah, he's been the most successful. He's not the only one, but he is a really good model for it because he is someone who sort of naturally started selling products that tied in with what he was talking about. Alex Jones has always had really close ties with, you know, far right groups, militias, 9-11 truthers. And so he started around, I think, like 2006, it could be, um, mm. maybe a little earlier, selling products like right. water filtration systems, survivalist gear. And that transitioned pretty naturally into him selling supplements. And today we know that the main way that he makes money is off of this incredibly large, profitable supplement business. And so other folks have not been quite as successful in selling stuff the same way he has been, but he certainly created the sort of like model for it, which is it's not enough to just sell your crazy theories. You also have to have, right. you know, a product for sale. You have to make money. Right. Um, like Goop with her like jade vagina eggs. Gwyneth Paltrow also. Yeah. A bit of a huckster. Perhaps. Bit of a huckster. Somebody who is making a lot of claims that I also see echoed in like you know, other much sketchier health movements. Right. You know? So she's part of a spectrum. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and yeah, she shares, she sells some of the same supplements that Alex Jones. Shares. Yeah, she does. There was a really amazing quartz story that was just showing that a lot of what they sell is the same. I also can pretty regularly, you know, look up some obviously, um, dubious person making dubious health claims and find that they've either been interviewed on Goop, that their book has been reviewed, mm. that one of their products is being sold. Um, you know, that this includes like a guy who claims to uh, essentially diagnose medical if issues through psychic powers. Oh, like, boy. I don't know how else to say it. Uh, so she yeah, she she definitely has a role to play here. And and certainly um, in the chapter about anti-vaxxers, you mm. talk about how. Of course, it's it's smart of us to not trust the medical establishment completely. Right. Um, but that then you get people who are susceptible to that idea are also susceptible to quacks on TV, TV doctors like Dr. Phil and Dr. Oz mm -hmm. and people who... Oprah introduced into this world. I cannot help forget. Like I cannot. She did. She, she, did uh, she did many wonderful things, and she unleashed um, a bunch of hell on us too. Yeah, she also was somebody who promoted satanic panic ideas when right. that was a thing. Like she was somebody who has really, yeah, had kind of a bewildering effect on society because of the <laughs> sheer number of claims she allowed to be loosed upon the world. But yeah, I mean. You know, I'm thinking about this because I just got back from this anti-vaccine conference. Yes. But people there, you know, said to me repeatedly, people always say this to me, like, how can you possibly trust the CDC and the FDA? Don't you know, you know, the history of medical establishments in this country? And I say, yeah, I do. But, you know, the great thing is that you don't have to just trust them. Right. When it comes to things like vaccine safety, you can trust any number of world health bodies, governments around the world, researchers, other right. science agencies. Like, it's actually... Uh, it's actually not just up to you to trust one source of information, but it's still like that's it's very hard to convince people that the government has their best interest at heart. I, I mean, if there's one conspiracy theory that I absolutely do believe, mm -hmm. it's that I am a type one diabetic and um, there are a couple of medical companies making enough money from charging high prices for insulin yeah. that I am. 
I am sure that there is a cure that is is being hidden somewhere, like in a little locked room. Mm -hmm. And that's where my brain goes. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that. And that is also something that people often say about other chronic conditions like cancer. The idea of, well, you know, chronic or, you know, extremely serious conditions. Because the idea, obviously, is that, yeah, like there isn't money in a cure. I definitely understand why people feel that way. And with insulin specifically, it's really hard for me not to agree with you. It's like, mm, yeah, why, why would they want to cure that one? <laughs> um, I think that's what I love the most about your book is that I can see these tendencies in myself. And I like to think that I am thoughtful and am trying to get multiple sources of good information mm-hmm. and how easy it is for anyone to fall prey of I'm I'm using air quotes here. Fake news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of fake news in the world and it comes in various formats. And it's OK for all of us to occasionally fall for something that isn't real or isn't, you know, checkable in the same ways. But it's worth knowing, no, noting the ways that so many people profit from it. Absolutely. Yeah. And then when you go back to people like. Alex Jones, who I do think is one of the worst, especially Mm. because he was claiming that Sandy Hook was did not take place, was was actors. Um, Having him and people like that being able to thrive Mm. in the Trump era is particularly upsetting. Yeah, it is. I think Alex Jones is genuinely surprised that so many people are upset with him about Sandy Hook because he's made that claim about so many things, you know, starting with the Oklahoma City bombings, which is when he really started to get famous. Right. Um, Boston Marathon. Yeah, the Boston Marathon. It's also worth noting that a lot of the people who have made the Sandy Hook families particularly miserable um, are not as famous as Alex Jones. He is one of the worst just in terms of his reach. Um, Mm. But, you know, there's another guy whose name I'm not going to use who is has been locked in sort of endless litigation with one of the Sandy Hook families and is like a besides being a Holocaust denier is somebody who, you know, consistently demands that the Sandy Hook families exhume their children's bodies. You know, like these are people who, even if they're not getting a big platform, even if they're not getting a ton of media attention, are still capable of like wreaking total havoc on people's lives. Right. Yeah. And there are different ways, I guess, for any conspiracy theorist to um wreak havoc, mm-hmm. but certainly we're seeing measles outbreaks and and um, medical things that um, used to not exist. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. The, you know, the anti-vaccine folks I was just with obviously told me that um, the measles vaccine is causing measles, that measles is also not a serious disease, right. that measles is spread by people who are vaccinated. It's just sort of like the uh, bizarro world. But it is very, very interesting to me to see how they are responding to that because that is undeniable. That is one of the ways that conspiracy theories are remaking the world. Yes. Is bringing back preventable diseases. Um, let's move to a more fun, hmm. fun um, topic of, of conspiracy theories, which is UFOs. Yeah, it is more fun. <laughs> it's way more Until fun. Until it's not, but we'll get there. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, So there have been recent reports that the Navy Mm -hmm. has been acknowledging that they have been seeing UFOs. The Navy has made it easier for pilots to report when they see UFOs because since at least 2004, Navy pilots have been pretty consistently reporting some of the same things. And Navy pilots, several Navy pilots have come forward most recently to the New York Times and said, like, hey, we really need a way to 
talk about this because right. we're seeing these things and it's bothering us. You know, one of them, one of the more famous ones is this 2004 sighting of what looked like a gigantic Tic Tac, right. this white seamless craft with no visible source of um, propulsion. So the interesting thing about that is that these disclosures in the New York Times are driving a bunch of conspiracy theories themselves sure. in the UFO community, which is basically um, all make it really brief, but there's basically this belief that um, what's happening right now is that the government is slowly sort of dropping information through the New York Times and through mainstream media, uh -huh. what it, what the UFO world is referring to as controlled disclosure, because disclosure is the idea that someday the government will kind of throw open the doors and tell us everything they know. So it's a little like QAnon in that they're looking for little hidden meanings in communications. It's very sort of rooted in a an acknowledgement of the government's role uh, historically in trying to kind of engineer mass movements from within. You know, a lot of people in the UFO world talk a lot about the ways that the FBI tried to plant disinformation and sow confusion and chaos and division among civil rights groups mm -hmm. and sort of other related groups right. in the 60s and 70s. So basically they have this belief that... Um, Anything that is running in the New York Times or another media, major media outlet is there for a reason. So it's really, really interesting to watch the way that they're greeting this news versus everybody else who's just kind of like, wow, this is really exciting. Cool. Yeah. yeah. X-Files reboot yeah. part 12 totally. or whatever it is. And what is so interesting to me that I feel like nobody's talking about is that Leslie Keen has been a reporter on several of these New York Times Stories. Leslie Keene is very well known in the UFO world, and she has been connected to a company that is like sort of advocating for disclosure. Like wow. she is a UFO enthusiast. And I don't say that with any disrespect. Right. She's a very well known reporter in that world. But she like she's appeared on Coast to Coast, which is a sort of beloved huh. late night UFO radio show. So for me, seeing Leslie Keene in The New York Times is very interesting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a, a narrative in many conspiracy theories, including mm -hmm. deep state stuff that Donald Trump is a pawn and um, he either does know or doesn't know that that there are forces controlling him. Right. But he is a conspiracy theorist himself. Yes. Um, of course, he was one of the most prominent birther people. Right. He essentially was the the person who drove birtherism into the mainstream. He suggested that Ted Cruz's dad was connected to the JFK assassination. <laughs> He's tweeted that vaccines cause autism, though he hasn't done that as president, thank God. But yeah, he is a pretty enthusiastic promoter of conspiracy theories. So that that has to help. <laughs> yeah, I think it I think its effect is pretty pronounced. I always think about what will happen if he wakes up and starts tweeting his support for some conspiracy theory. You know, if he wakes up tomorrow and decides to say that Q is real and, mm -hmm. you know, has more to share or something, it's going to create absolute pandemonium. So, yeah, there's not really any downplaying what a big deal it is to have somebody who uses conspiracy theories for personal and political gain in the White House. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and to go a little deeper into Q... Uh, the people who believe this theory believe that almost everything involves um, child prostitutes. And there's, sex yeah, rooms. there's a lot of sex trafficking stuff in both QAnon and Pizzagate, which is sort of a related kind of earlier right. movement, you know, that has died down a little bit. Um, and there's also a lot of like 
in fighting between Pizzagate and QAnon folks in a way that I think is really interesting. Um, <laughs> but yeah, a lot of them will claim that they're, and some people in the UFO world too, and some people in white supremacist movements, a lot of people in a lot of places will claim that the government is rife with pedophiles who are ritually abusing children in secret. I mean, and who who doesn't want to stop that? Yeah, exactly. It'd I mean, be very bad yeah. if you wanted that to continue. Exactly. That's I, so. I I talk about it a little bit in the book, but it is an echo of the blood libel, which is right. you know a, an ancient, like literally medieval belief that Jews were meeting in secret to ritually abuse Christian children and then yes. kill them and use their blood and matzah. Um, and it's also like the most clear cut justification for violence and extreme action that there could possibly be. Because if you believe that, if you believe that about your enemies, that they're hurting children, there's nothing you wouldn't do to stop it. And so I always think it's a really efficient rhetorical device if you're trying to justify just about anything. Right. Yeah. And and you get into this in the book, too, that it's impossible to have a conversation with the conspiracy theorist Mm -hmm. because anything that you try to argue, they will throw back at you as being as you're being part of the thing they're trying to stop. Well, it. especially if you're a journalist. I mean, I would say that we are oh, all yeah. obviously conspiracy theorists to some degree or another. We all are in the pool together. Just some of us are in deeper ends of the pool. But yeah, people right. who, especially people who believe that um, the mainstream media is controlled by hidden forces. Right. It's very hard to have a conversation that doesn't end up there. And so it's, it's sort of an interesting like interviewing challenge where I'm like, okay, how do I get you to talk to me? in a way that isn't sort of focused on making accusations that are super wild and that I can't really respond to other than to be like, that's not true. And I know that it's not true, but I can't convince you that it's not true. What are some techniques you've found that are um, helpful? Sometimes I overshare. I'll say, you know, sure. I'm a 32 year old woman who lives with roommates and whose every move online for the last 15 years is trackable because I'm part of a generation where that happened. Like yeah. you would know if I worked for the CIA or right, something. Right, right, right. You know, but of course that that's not convincing. Um, I also, you know, I try some mixture of empathy and being like, I understand why you don't trust the government. I understand how you got yeah. there. But also being like, that is ridiculous. I don't tell people that they are ridiculous, but I tell them that the theory is ridiculous sure. and that it is not believable to me. I try to be pretty straightforward about what I'm thinking and feeling and that it doesn't obviously change anybody's mind, but it at least sort of drives a conversation. I rarely have people, you know, get up and storm away. That's not really a thing that I have happened very often because people know right. that most folks don't believe what they believe. They're, right. they're accustomed to that. And so in a way, I think they appreciate me being kind of straightforward with them. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about what you're reading? And yeah, what, totally. Yeah. yeah. Good. Um, I, I mean, first, I guess we should say, Recommended reading for, um, for after you've all purchased and read yeah. Anna's book. But um, beyond that, what are some great... I've been reading Say Nothing right now, which is obviously about um, the troubles in Northern yeah. Ireland. It's sort of half history and half true crime. It's amazing. It's just amazingly done technically. Like, it's so dense. It's so complicated, but it works so well. Uh, it makes me wish that I had longer to read it at a time. Did you read that Ben Dolnick thing in the Times about binge reading, like recommending yes, binge reading? Yes, I thought it I mean, was so it's, great. It's a nice thing. It's I'm one of the few people who actually has the time because that's my job. Right. 
Um, and it does make a difference in terms of what you um, take in and understand about it. Yeah, life. and coherence, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I've really, really, really been loving it. Um, the other thing that I'm reading right now, unfortunately, is Morrissey's autobiography. Oh, right. <laughs> yes, we were talking about that. <laughs> yeah, which is uh, great timing for me. Obviously, people listening will probably know this, but Morrissey recently wore the pin of a very far-right uh, British political party on Jimmy Fallon while he was performing and has been, has always been pretty racist and pretty yeah. xenophobic, yeah. but has just become really worse, brought it to a new like fever pitch. The book is very interesting though. He's a very interesting writer. And if you're, if you want to find like an unreliable narrator, yeah, and, right. like, consider, yeah, he's right up there. So, um, I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it away when I'm done with it, but I'm glad that I'm reading it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And what are you watching? Anything exciting? Um, what am I watching? I am just a huge not John Oliver nerd, and I watch uh-huh. every episode of his show and think it's really, really great. Um, and I'm always really happy when he does something that's not Trump related. There was an episode on psychics not that long ago yep. that is like, yes, you know, just I think it's really cool to do stuff that is completely outside. Absolutely. And and you but you can see how it's related, but you don't actually have to explicitly say it. Totally. The last one I watched was about death investigations and Mm -hmm. coroners versus medical examiners. And it was so good. There were so many things that I didn't know. I would say that that's the only thing I watch on a super regular basis. But um, I really, really like it. And so I don't know. Everything else is like I watch one episode of something and I'm like, that was great. And then never go back (laughs) to it. (laughs) How about online um are there any articles especially i mean you mentioned adrian chen a yeah. bunch in 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 your book yeah he's amazing he's a really really great reporter i mean i always you know this is such a obnoxious new yorker thing to say but i think the new yorkers features are some of the best in the world yes i mean they're really just the master class in how to do it um there is there are a few like new sites on the civil network that I've really been enjoying. Oh, Popula. Cool. Oh yeah. Hum Daily. I don't know if the small bow is part of it. I think it's called the small bow. It's a it's a, a website about addiction recovery. Oh. Um, that is run by AJ Delario, who Great. you know is a former yeah. Gawker person who's talked yeah. a lot about his own recovery pretty publicly. So, I mean, I'm not somebody to whom that applies, and I still think it's really really interesting. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there are so many great places to read features now, which as somebody who writes features is like, you know, horrible because every single day I see something that I wish I'd written. But there are so many good ones. Yeah. I just somehow just discovered Instapaper like a million years after (laughs) everyone else did. It's incredible. It's the greatest thing. It is like the number one game changer of my life that I finally get to save all the articles I want. Yes. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, and and talk just a little bit about Jezebel. And Yeah. Right. So I'm a reporter at Geo Media, which used to be Gizmodo Media, which used to be Gawker Media. Um, and for a long time, uh, for the last couple of years, I was part of something called the Special Projects Desk, which got shut down by our new dads. And so now, <laughs> technically, I'm a reporter for Jezebel again, which I was at before. So there has been a lot of upheaval. Um, but through it all, I have gotten to do some cool stuff and yeah. more to the point, a lot of my coworkers at Jezebel and elsewhere at Geo do really cool stuff. And we're about to do a series that I'm really looking forward to that is going to be very stupid and very funny that I think I can say is about Times Square because we just moved to Times Square. Ah, excellent. Um, and so I'm excited for that just as like, you know, extremely fun, escapist, ridiculous first person stuff. Great. Yeah. Well, Anna, thank you so much for coming in and being on the Mars Review. Thank you for having me. Yeah. 
Thank you for listening to the Maris Review. And check the show notes for the books we discussed on here today. And please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.